Christina has a special this morning. Join with all nature in the 
ever faithful, and thank the Lord for that. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 13. We take one last look at these two great men. We've already looked at Elijah and now Elisha finishing up his life. Give you a quick preview tonight. Uh, sermon. I've had a, a good time preparing and reading uh, for it, as well as I mean all of them. But uh, just a, a neat topic that I've not talked about and preached on in, in a while. Will <clears throat> the return of Jesus Christ be a surprise? Will the return of Jesus Christ be a surprise? And uh, we'll take a look and see what God's Word has to say. There's a different uh, ways to phrase that. You can talk about the, the imminency of the return of Christ. Can, is His return imminent? Will the rapture? And we'll look at what the Bible has to say about those uh, subjects tonight. So be here tonight if you would like to... Uh, hear that. I encourage all of you, obviously, to be here tonight and uh, come back. I also want to brag on those who were able to be at Sunday school. Uh, we had uh, a good crowd for Sunday school. <clears throat> if you didn't make it, uh, we encourage you to try. We've got some great teachers. We would love to have you for Sunday school. Second Kings chapter 13, looking at verse 14, just one verse. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? pretty powerful verse as we read it. Matter of fact, this morning, since it's just one verse, I want to ask you to read along with me, okay? Now, Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. I thank you for Promised Land Church. She means so much to all of us. May we represent you well in this community. Help us to stand for your truth, your word, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The last words of a great prophet. You know, Elisha had been through a lot. Imagine that. I'm reminded of the illustration that was told uh, or shared with me back in, the, uh, I think it was AYC. And it's so true that, you know, whenever we get to heaven and we get up there, you know, the Bible does mention a couple people's entrance into heaven. Of course, one of the more famous entrances to heaven is the beggar Lazarus. The Bible says in Luke 16 that this man died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, that's basically he got a royal escort into heaven. I've, I know you and I have seen uh, uh, different people. Uh, maybe you've seen a, a limo. And it wasn't prom season or anything like that. And you was going down the interstate. I wonder what famous person or high-ranking executive might be 
in that limo. You know, and they're carrying them somewhere in grand style. Uh, matter of fact, this uh, preacher was kind of surprised. Just a common, humble preacher from the country, but he was a preaching machine. He got picked up by a big, he got invited to a big city church to go and to speak at a revival conference, whatever they were having. The church went all out. And every speaker that came in, he was landing at the airport because he came across the country, and they sent a, a limo to pick up that preacher. The preacher said, I've never felt so honored and, uh, in all my life. What a privilege. You know, in one of these days, we'll be honored. We'll be, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll have a royal escort into heaven. You know, you're going to get up there. And basically this, you know, I hope that I don't tiptoe into heaven. By meaning that, I hope we roar in there saying, Man, I lived for Jesus. What a ride it was. It was awesome. You go in and the wheels just fall off because you just rode it till, it till it fell apart while you were here on this earth. You know, and that's the way Elisha was. He lived with everything he had. I mean, he gave it all. He faced enemies. He faced famines and plagues and death and disease. And I mean, this fellow faced everything. He got to see a flaming chariot swoop down and see his predecessor, Elijah, go up into heaven. And he said, and then he ran over there and he, Elijah's mantle was floating down. And the Bible says his mantle came down and Elisha got it. I mean, he said, wow. I mean, just think about what he witnessed during his lifetime. And now here he is at the end of his life. And basically, what this king says to him, it says the king, Joash, came down and he was weeping. And he's crying out. He says, my father, my father. Basically, he's saying, he looked to him like a dad, an elder. And he gives him a compliment now, right off the bat, when y'all read that with me, or you verbalized it, or just read it, or hummed it, or whatever what you did, you know, that doesn't look like a compliment. What does it say? He, call, he calls him. He says something to him. What's he saying? The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof? What does that mean? You know, basically, what he's saying here. In this chapter, and what I titled that first point is this, is he called him the instrument of God's power. You are basically this. You, you have been used by God to be a great leader, a spiritual leader for our country. Thank you for that. You are a spiritual leader. Matter of fact, if you back up, and I'll put the reference there for you, in 2 Kings 2 and verse 12, and, uh, which was the very, listen, as a matter of fact, in my Bible, in 2 Kings 2, is the beginning of Elisha's ministry. And, and look at this. In your Bible is probably no different. That's Elisha's life right there. That's how many pages. He's dying here in this chapter. He's about to die. Here's the beginning of his ministry. Not his birth, but the beginning of his ministry. It's not, not, it's not a whole lot, but boy, how he lived in these pages. But in 2 Kings 2, verse 12, <clears throat> it says, Elisha saw it. He saw what? Uh, his, 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 uh, 
mentor. His person that kind of showed him the ropes that he learned under, that got him ready. And what does he say? My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He said, wow, you were a great leader. You came down, you were a, a captain, a, a, a colonel. You were a leader in the spiritual battle that's going on around us. And so the same words that were uttered out of Elisha's mouth about his Elijah going up is, are the same words. You know, why did Joash say that? I think probably Elisha had shared with him the story there about that, about what had happened. Now, I just want to talk about you. As we look at Elisha just for a few minutes this morning, you know, <clears throat> and I put on there uh, three things, and uh, basically this. He says, uh, I put, you know, and I'll start with a P, what a privilege, what a position, and what a prayer. Number one, what a privilege to be used by God. And he was, and... Uh, Think about that God would use you to do something. God's saying, I want you to teach young people in a Sunday school class. I want you to tell other people and bring other people to church. I want you to leave where you were born. Now, most of us in this room hardly get out of the maybe the county where we're raised. You know, somebody said... Uh, one time about, uh, you know, going up north. Well, if they go to Monticello, they went up north. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and, and, and sometimes we don't like to leave where we're raised. And that's a good, that's good. That's a, there's a lot of good qualities about being faithful and consistent. Imagine, you know, God saying to you, I want you to go to the other side of the planet or a place you've never been. That's a tough assignment for some. Some tougher than some people would go. Well, praise the Lord, I'm going to another place. But what a privilege to say I'm going to be used by God to go do something in a place I've never been. And then we look at what a uh, not only what a privilege and honor it is. We think about you know what a position. I think about the position that he's in. The being uh, in the center of God's will, I put in there in parentheses, is being in the center of God's will always the safest place to be? You know, think, well, I'm living in the center of God's will. I'm, you know, think about right now, what if you're doing exactly in your life, you're living 100% for God right now. Did you know that sometimes if you're 100% in the middle of God's will doing exactly what He wants you to do, that can be dangerous? What if He's calling you, asking you to witness to somebody that would be like throwing in, you in the lion's den. You may be get thrown in jail. You may get to some somebody you could witness to the wrong person in Ashley County. They could maybe physically assault you or whatever the case is. You... But the thing is, did God lead you to witness to them? Did God lead you to tell them and share them about the love of God? Did God lead you to that house? Did God lead you to that place? Sometimes, even when you're in the center of God's will, it can be dangerous. And it was for Him. So it's a great position. Then finally, what a prayer. 
And that is a prayer that we should all pray. Two, two prayers that you could pray. One is, I want to be that person that says, here am I. And number two, to not be prideful. Now, the two examples that I had, I didn't even put the Scripture reference because many of you know it, but I'll refer to it. Isaiah is the one who said, here am I. He said, that's my prayer. Lord, whatever Your will is, how many people in this room could say, Lord, here am I, send me. Now, the other prayer was by a fellow that was very popular in his church. His name was Peter. And he had a prayer. Basically, he prayed out loud. Lord, my prayer is is that I'll go with you to prison even to death. But his prayer was a prideful prayer because either A, he just wanted to show off. B, he wanted people to be to look up. See, man, see, you may be hanging back, but I'm going to be the one that sticks with Jesus all the way. And he said it, he said it publicly, Lord, I'm going with you to prison and even to death. But Jesus said, uh, I'm afraid to disagree with you. I have to disagree with you. Uh, you're going to deny me publicly three times. He said, no, I won't. Yes, you are. No, it doesn't matter what you say. You're going to do it. Now, it wasn't that, it wasn't that Peter didn't have a choice in the matter. Peter was, excuse me, Jesus was just telling him what he was going to do. All right, what his choice was going to be. So let our prayer be what? Not of pride, but to say, here am I, send me. Some final words before he went. Now, so he's sick. Let's just pick up the story. We're going to end it on out. Okay, you still have your Bible open to Second Kings 13. Okay, Elijah, so he gave him the compliment. So basically this king's right beside his bedside. Elisha said unto him, take, take a bow and some arrows. And he took him bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. He put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. So he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot! And he shot. This is pretty good. Y'all didn't know y'all was going to get an archery in the morning sermon. We got bow and arrows flying here. Hamburg's pretty good at bow and arrows. We got a lot of people shooting good and bow and arrows, archery team, world champions, all sorts of things. So he shot. I, I wonder, the Bible doesn't tell us where that arrow went. That's an interesting thing to think about. But anyway, he shot it, the arrow, and he called it, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Because he is the king of Israel, is the enemy of Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground, and he smote, if you have a King James Bible, it says thrice, and stayed, which means stopped. So he went, and Elisha's like, "Uh, I didn't say stop. You know, this is one of those times, there are several times in the Bible where God's got a blessing. It's kind of like the, the woman with uh, filling the vessel full of oil. He said, go get a vessel, go get a bunch of empty jars, and don't get a few, which what does that mean? Get a bunch. Did you know that sometimes our faith limits us? Our own faith limits us in our choices. 
You know, we think, you know, uh, matter of fact, I've, I've, uh, we had a church come in. Bull said the other night, when Karen and I was walking, he said, Preacher, if you get back in time, we got a church that's coming to look at our facilities, our family life facilities. And, uh, anyway, the, uh, <clears throat> I was telling, they, they were asking, and, uh, Brother Ricky, who helped build different people in here, some houses and stuff, and, uh, so, and he was there, and he was saying, Brother Michael and Bull, we were there. He said, is there anything that y'all would change? You know, we were naming little things here and there uh, about materials and different things. And I said, this is something I've talked to many pastors. And I've only met one in all these years that said when they built their building, we built our building way, way too big. They, they built a family life center and it had two full court basketball courts inside. It was pretty, that's a pretty impressive building. But most of the time, I was just talking to one of my students over in Locksburg, Arkansas. You know where that is? I'll tell you after church. Locks, they don't know where Hamburg is either, by the way. <laughs> People, you know, I go preach a revival meeting on the other side of the state and they'll say, we called you from Hamburg, where is it? And, uh, a lot of people on the other side of the state don't know where Hamburg is. Nine times I'll name towns over on the other side of the state and we don't know where it is. And I said, Larry, how's the project going? He said, I wish I had three more feet. I wish I had three more feet. Elijah, excuse me, Elisha is telling the king, what'd you stop on three for? I mean, because that's how many times that God is going to give you victory over the Syrians. And if you had, matter of fact, if you had kept going, you'd have literally stomped them out. Okay, but, you know, but you didn't realize that what he was asking, King, how big is your faith? How, how much, and he, he basically, he took the arrow, he shot it out, these arrows and this bow represent God's deliverance for you from an enemy. And he said, stomp on the ground, or hit it on the ground. And he did it, and he did it, and it says right there in black and white, you see it three times, and he stayed or stopped. Why? Because he said, well, I figured, Maybe that's all I needed. Anytime you're dealing with the Lord, His faith was small. And uh, He said, the man of God, matter of fact, in verse 19, the man of God was angry with him. It says, wrath. And I said, he's upset. I should, have, I should have smitten it or hit it, stomped it five or six times. Then thou had a smitten cereal till you consumed it. Basically, you stomped them out. I like that better. That's the way we talk. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria, but what? Thrice. There is a reference in your uh, outline to go to Matthew chapter 9. So head over there. Talking about our faith. You know, you know, in a building a building, You know, building a building and Brother Larry over there in Locksburg wanting uh, three more feet. He said, man, I measured it off, but I didn't take into account the space the beams would take up. Man, my, you know how big his out-of-bounds is? <laughs> There's not a whole lot of room to put a chair for out-of-bounds. And so he's just wanting, man, I wish I'd just made this foundation. And he's leading his church, and of course, just like here, you know, I'm sure whenever this building was built, no one 
that, you know, we think, well, we shouldn't do it, we should do it, we need it, and, we, and then we built it, and what was it? It was the best thing since sliced bread. What a great time, fellowship. And everybody has elbow room. You go in there, and we use it. Did you know that's all that is is a tool? But what I'm getting at is this. A, a building is just, it's a physical representation of something to be, this is a building. We built it. Church built it. It's a tool to be used by God. But it, and use something physical to represent our faith. But more than that, how big is your faith when it comes to talking to somebody you've never talked to? How big is your faith? Because think about it, stretch it. If you're comfortable with it, listen to me, follow my logic, because it matches the Bible, I wouldn't use it. If you're comfortable and it's something you've always done, does it take much faith? Does that make sense? Well, you, every one of y'all got in a vehicle and y'all cranked it before. Y'all knew it would probably do it again this morning. Cranked up, you came to church. You see what I mean? If you're comfortable with something, and it's somebody you've talked to a gazillion times, or somewhere you've been before, you see what I mean? And you say, well, I'll go tell them, I'll invite them to church. But you've already invited them. Do something. Go some, Stretch your faith. Talk to somebody you've never talked to. Bring up a subject you've never brought, brought up. Be brave. Have, be courageous. And you say, well, I don't have that type of courageous or boldness. And you say, well, that's what prayer's for. And say, God, I need that type of boldness to... Do something I've never done before to say something I've never said before for your honor and glory. Not to blow yourself up full of hot air, but for His honor and glory. It's all about Him and bragging on Jesus and lifting Jesus up. Isn't that what our church is here for? That's what this building was built for? That's what that building over there was built for? Is a tool be used by God. Sure, we'd like, man, I wish I had three more feet. I wish I had three more seconds to talk to them because you know what? How many of you, you know, this may have not ever happened in your life, but some, you had an opportunity to say something. You was almost about to say it. And then they walked away. Or, or a phone call happened. That's called, I wish I had three more seconds instead of three more feet. Oh, Matthew chapter 9, the Word of God says this. <clears throat> we'll begin, of course, in verse 28. <clears throat> and when he was coming to the house, the blind man came to him and said unto him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe you that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, or yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. There are a lot of churches. Listen to me very closely. There are a lot of churches that are dying all over Arkansas. Because 
those words right there. According to your faith, be it unto you. If a church has no faith, a church will not have any works. The Bible says you can faith without works is faith without works is dead. Many of y'all know that. So faith without works is a dead church, a dead person. There's no life in it. If we have say, if I have faith, you're not doing anything. Do something for the Lord. Most of us do stuff for ourselves because we're selfish. But the, I mean, James says faith without works is dead. So if a church has no faith, it's if say we have faith, but there's nothing or there's no doing, then it's dead. The church will die. And he told these guys here, "Well, you think I can heal you? Yes, we believe you can." And guess what? Jesus was he's looking at guys who he was begging. Yeah, we believe you and we want it. And he healed them. According, what does it say? What did he say? He had red letters in my Bible. According to your faith, be it unto you. So a, a person's faith is seen in their actions. Elijah, Elisha's last miracle. Flip over here. So, you know, his last words was he was trying to help the king out. Verse 19, and then in my Bible it says, and Elisha died. Wow, that's cutting it close. Man, you're trying to... So, he, what, this tells me something great about Elisha. And I've, I've seen all, I've been with people, a lot, several people when they drew their last breath, and I've seen peaceful death, I've seen anguishing deaths. I've, <clears throat> he was on his deathbed, and he's trying to help him out. He's trying to help somebody else out while he's dying. He's drawing his last breath, and he's saying, King, I want to help you out. Let me give you some last tips of advice here. On his deathbed, so the Bible says he died. Oh, that just tells me about Elisha. Great guy, unselfish, thinks about others ahead of himself. That's some good characteristics I hope I display throughout my life. I pray to God. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land. I'm sure that wasn't immediate. This is, I mean, this is covering several weeks or whatever the time period here the Bible doesn't give us. But invaded the land in the coming of the year. All right? And it came to pass as they were burying a man that, so that basically these army dudes have their dead, uh, soldier with them, their compadre, their friend, and all of a sudden these bands, they spied a band of men, verse 21, and they cast the man into the sepulcher. I don't think they knew it was Elisha, but they were going along and they said, we gotta bury him. Here's the burial ground. Oh no, look! There's a, there's a platoon of guys coming over the hill. They said, quick, hide. Throw the dead body in first, and then they're getting in to hide. But guess what happened when they threw their friend's dead body into Elisha's tomb? It, his body rolled over there, touched Elisha's bones, and boom, he came back to life. Now that's a miracle. That's pretty cool. 
So he had one more miracle God did, which basically this, God's always going to fulfill His Word. Number one, I'm going to deliver this people, and I'm going to deliver them, and I'm going to do it through Elisha, even with him dead, which tells me this, tells me God doesn't need you, and He doesn't need me. If He can use a dead body to accomplish His will, then I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Would you tell the Lord this morning, Lord, here am I. You're going to accomplish your word. Have the awesome privilege of going through you, going through me. It would be a privilege to serve you, Lord. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, whatever God's will for is for in your life, if you want to come pray at the altar, if you're concerned of how carrying any burdens, take them to the altar. Don't be ashamed. If you want to come pray and talk to me, whatever, I'll be here. Uh, just because there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Changes lives. Changes churches. Changes people.